welcome to another episode of Daily Feasting Upon the Words of Christ, helping disciples of Jesus Christ to engage with the Book of Mormon on a more deeper and personal level. Today we are continuing with the prophecies that Nephi gives. We're in pages 109 to 114. There's a lot of good stuff in here, a lot that we can talk about and go over, and there's there's just a few things that I really, really want to point out, specifically those verses that talk about the covenants the Lord has made with the house of Israel. And so that's where I'm going to focus, even though there's a lot of very well-known verses in these few chapters that we read. Um, And I'm sure that y'all will get a lot of out of these six pages. But anyway, so the first couple verses that I wanted to point out are in chapter 29, verses... 1 and 2, but behold, there shall be many at that day when I shall proceed to do a marvelous work among among them, that I may remember my covenants, which I have made unto the children of men, that I may set my hand again the second time to recover my people, which are of the house of Israel, and also that I may remember the promises, which I have made unto thee, Nephi, and also unto thy father, that I would remember your seed, and that the words of your seed should before proceed forth out of my mouth unto your seed and my words shall his force his forth unto the ends of the earth for a standard unto my people which are of the house of israel so the lord here is saying i remember the promises and the covenants that i've made with my people the lord doesn't forget it's it's awesome if <laughs> you can ask my friends i have a pretty terrible memory I don't remember a lot of things super well, (laughs) but the Lord doesn't have that problem, right? If he knows all of our names, he knows everything about us, and he remembers everything he promises to everybody, it's incredible. I guess that's what happens when you're all powerful is that you have like perfect memory. And so any promise that the Lord makes with us and that we make with him, he's going to remember it always. And a particular promise, I think there's two he's talking about here, is one he's going to recover his people, so gather them, and he's also going to preserve the records that Nephi writes a.k.a. the Book of Mormon. And it shall go unto all nations for a standard unto the house of Israel. If you know what a standard is or standard bearer, that is someone like in more old-timey wartime stuff I'm talking like probably earlier than the revolutionary war-esque times I think it's even more of a European thing I'm not entirely sure but way back when were when the wars were fought more primitively I guess we'll put it they would have what's called a standard bearer. 
they would, someone would be holding the flag and that's kind of where the troops would go. It would be a rallying point. It would be uh, something that the soldiers could look to, to know like, okay, what's going on and stuff. Usually the standard bearer wasn't really fighting, but it was kind of a strategic uh, move to kill the standard bearer because every time the flag fall, it would actually lower the morale of the troops. Like the troops look to the standard bearer for um, information as well as for courage. So if the flag went down, the troops would kind of feel a little bit lost and they wouldn't know where to rally and they would get discouraged. But if the stand... And I think what often would happen is someone else would go and they'd pick up the flag. Which is what the standard was. It was just the flag, the emblem of um, that army. So that the standard could still be seen. And so that the troops would know where to gather and where to go. That's what the Book of Mormon is. The Book of Mormon is a standard for God's people. So we would know where to turn to, where to rally, where to where to go, basically. The Lord is saying that the Book of Mormon is his standard. This is, this is what he wants us to rally to during our times of confusion when we're feeling lost and we're not sure where to go or what to do. He's saying that this is where we can come to. We can come to the Book of Mormon and we can find clarity and we can find direction and know exactly what to do. And, you know, the rest of the chapter is at least fairly well known, especially if you're a return missionary, talks about people who don't want the Book of Mormon. They say, oh, we got a Bible, we have enough. Um, and the Lord says, you know, I have, I speak to all my children. I, I will, and they write stuff that I talk to them about. And Everyone's going to have all my words. Like, there's a verse in here that talks about why he has, like, preserved multiple records, I guess. He says, and I do this that I may prove unto many that I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, because we have the Bible and the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants, and the Portal of Great Price, we see that the Lord speaks with all his children, not just a specific race or group or people. We see that God has performed miracles throughout the ages. There's miracles in biblical times, there's miracles on the American continent with the Nephites, and there's miracles in the latter days with Joseph Smith. Like, God continues to do his work. It hasn't changed from day one. He hasn't changed the plan. He hasn't changed the goal. Before he even created the earth, his plan was to, well, the plan of salvation. That's what we call it in simple words. And it hasn't changed. And the way he's gone about it hasn't changed. God 
does not change. That's why we can put faith in him is because he's something that does not move. He's something that does not shift. I think it was, yeah, it was earlier in chapter 28 where woe unto all those who tremble and are angry because of the truth of God. For behold, he that is built upon the rock receiveth it with gladness and he that is built upon a sandy foundation trembleth lest he shall fall. And the Lord is talking about like when people become upset or they don't want to receive more of God's word and of his truth. If you think about it this way, if you build a house on a solid foundation, on a rock, if you add more to the house, it's still going to be pretty stable. If you built your house on no foundation or upon sand, the more you add to the house, the more unstable it's going to become. So the Lord is saying, you know, if you don't put your foundation in the correct place, you're not going to be able to receive more of my word or more of my truth. And then in verse 14, continuing on with the covenants the Lord has made with the house of Israel in chapter 29, it says, And it shall come to pass that my people, which are of the house of Israel, shall be gathered home unto the lands of their possessions. And my word also shall be gathered in one. And I will show unto them that fight against my word and against my people who are of the house of Israel, that I am God. And then I covenanted with Abraham that I would remember his seed forever. Okay, so one question I had when reading this was, why does God want to gather his people? And I think I've tried answering it before on the podcast, but I feel like it wasn't a very good answer, if that makes sense. Like, it was logical, but I don't think it gave us the full picture. So I was thinking about it more this morning, and this is the idea I came up with. Uh, I'm going to give like a, a little metaphor analogy, I guess. So my family, we have, right, every family has relatives. And we also have lots of friends that we absolutely love hanging out with. And oftentimes, my younger siblings especially, but all of us do this, oftentimes we dream about how fun it would be if we could all live in the same place. Like sometimes even in the same house, you know, just that way we wouldn't have to be separated. We wouldn't have to say goodbye. We could just be together with each other all the time. Our whole family, our all our friends, we wouldn't have to be states away or even just <laughs> 10 minute drive away. We could just like open a door and say hello. Right. I, I don't know if other families do this, but. I think it would be amazing to have all of my family and friends so close to just have them all in one place. I wouldn't have to, you know, it, it'd be great. And I wonder if that's the way the Lord feels. You know, he loves us so much. We are his children. We are family. 
and those that love him want to be near him and he wants to be near us. So I wonder if that's, you know, another reason why the Lord wants to gather his people. He just wants to be near his family. He doesn't want to be separated from us. He wants to be close to us. He he wants to talk to us and see us all the time. You know, I wonder... Oh, this is an interesting thought I just had. I wonder if it's hard for God to see us go to earth. Like, even though it, it's probably a short period of time, but like it's still separation, right? When a missionary leaves their family, yeah, it's only like one and a half to two years, but still it's hard to say goodbye for so long to not see their face and talk with them person to person. You know, I wonder if that's how God feels. Huh. I don't know. I just just had that thought. And maybe that's why, you know, one of the reasons why he wants to gather his people is because he just loves us and he wants to be near us doesn't want to be separated from us but because God will not force us to do anything he can only gather those who want to be gathered he can only gather his covenant people because those who've made covenants have shown the Lord that they want to be near him and so he knows whom to gather Yeah, that's an interesting thought. And then also, I, I guess this verse is kind of connected with that one. In chapter 30, verse 2, it says, For behold, I say unto you that as many of the Gentiles as, as will repent are the covenant people of the Lord, and as many of the Jews as will not repent shall be cast off. For the Lord covenanted, covenanteth with none, save it be with them that repent and believe in his Son, who is the Holy One of Israel." So if we want to be a part of God's family, that's how we do it. We repent and believe in Jesus Christ. Those who do that, the Lord knows, is part of his family, part of the people who want to be near him. Because, correction, everyone's part of his family. Just some of his children don't choose to to want to be with him, which is so sad. <laughs> I uh, I honestly don't know why people would make a choice not to be with him. Uh, but I don't know. I but we see here that it's not a specific race or a specific group of people. Like, it's not just the Jews. He's saying, I am willing to adopt the Gentiles. Like, I want to adopt the Gentiles. If they repent and have faith in Jesus Christ, I will totally let them into the family circle. And even though the Jews were my ancient covenant people, if they don't repent and have faith in Jesus Christ, then they're n I can't accept them in. <laughs> like, there's only one key that fits this lock on this door. And this is what it is. 
There's no two ways around this. But those that do come to Christ, those that do repent, the Lord says he's going to make them a delightsome people. And then Nephi prophesies about the second coming and there will be no more contention or war or Satan will be bound and we're going to have all of God's words. Won't that be so cool? Everything that God has ever said we're going to have. I think that's cool. Like I think it's mentioned probably earlier in the scriptures. I don't quite remember, but that like the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon that wasn't translated, and we're gonna have it one day. Oh, I'm so excited for when that day will come, because I so want to read that. Oh, it'd be so cool. It'll be cool whenever the second coming happens and we can just be with all the animals and all the people and we won't have to worry about contention or wars or being eaten by lions. It'll be great. And then we go into chapter 31 and this one talks all about the doctrine of Christ, which is important because this is part of how we make covenants with God. This is how, part of how we become part of the house of Israel. Nephi talks about Jesus Christ being baptized and how we all need to be baptized to show obedience and humility. And those who've already been baptized, like already made covenants with God, now what? You know, what, is, what are the people of the house of Israel supposed to do now that we've already initially made that covenant? And Nephi's answer, which is a very, very well-known verses. He says, And now, my beloved brethren, after you've gotten into this straight and narrow path, I would ask if all is done. Behold, I say unto you, Nay, for ye have not come thus far, save it were by the word of Christ, with unshaking faith in him, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save. Wherefore, you must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope, and a love of God and of all men. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ, and endure to the end, behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. So, what is Nephi saying? He's saying, okay, you have made covenants with God. Are you done? No, because in order for you to have made covenants with God, you had to rely upon Christ and have faith in him. And you must continue to do those things. You must continue to rely on Christ and to have faith in him with steadfastness. If you don't know what that word means, think of stubborn, but in a good way. So like being stubborn for Christ, if that makes sense. Right? You, no matter what happens, you, you stick with God, you stick with Christ, and you're stubborn about it. A good stubborn, you know? Steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope. If something has a perfect brightness, then it doesn't have any tarnish. I don't know. 
exactly what that means to have a perfect brightness of hope. But my guess is that it means that, like, you're so steadfast in Christ. You have so much faith in him and you have so much hope that you don't let doubt or discouragement in. Like, they don't cause you to stop believing in God, stop trusting in God. Like, you have hope and you have faith. And nothing can take that away from you because you've made that choice. We have faith, hope, and then charity. Your love of God and of all men. Right? And then Nephi talks about feasting upon the word of Christ. And with James Applegate, I, I loved doing that guest episode with James Applegate. And hopefully I'm going to have more episodes with guests in them. Um, I have some plans in the works for more guests. Uh, But when he says, you know, when I asked him, what does it mean to feast upon the words of Christ? He's like, you know, after a big meal, you got to take a second to digest it. So I love how he mentions, you know, taking the time to let it sink in is part of our study with the scriptures. Taking the time to ponder, to let it become a part of us, to let it, you know, let our minds marinate and to think upon, you know, how do these words apply to us? How can these words help us? What I'm, what can I gain from knowing and understanding this? You know, what can you gain from understanding the covenants the Lord has made with the house of Israel? What can you gain from understanding that the Lord's going to gather his people? That the Book of Mormon is God's standard that we can rally to? No, I, I just love that. And so, I guess in a word... To answer the question, you know, those who've made covenants with the house of Israel, what's next? Endure to the end. Put simply, you keep those covenants you've made throughout your entire life. You hold fast to them. You keep walking the sidewalk towards the tree. You keep holding on to that iron rod. You don't stop. The making of the covenant is only the beginning. Life is about keeping the covenants we make not about making them that's just the gate once you've opened the gate you've got to walk it you know it's not just talking the talk it's walking the walk and that can sometimes be the hardest part is keeping your covenants but you know the lord says that as long as we keep the commandments and we keep the covenants we'll prosper there's going to be times where we fall But because of that, we're going to learn, and that's going to help us to succeed. All of these things are going to give us experience for our good. All of this can help us come closer to Christ. You know, and... I can testify 
of God's love. And I have seen the difference between those who continue to keep their covenants and those that have fallen away. I have lots of family members. Almost my entire father's side of the family has fallen away from the church. Or at least of the ones that I know. I don't know a whole lot of my father's family, but a lot of them I do know. His own father, his own brother. I think even his nephew and his niece are not really active either. Like, my dad has a lot of family members who have chosen not to keep their covenants. I have a lot of friends who have chosen not to keep their covenants. I have seen lots of members on my mission who chose not to continue to keep their covenants. And I have seen lots of people who have kept their covenants. I have lots of family members who are still active, lots of friends who are still active, and I have seen lots of members on my mission who are still active. I have seen the difference. I have seen people, like both kinds of people, still have rough lives. Just because you're keeping the commandments and you're keeping covenants does not mean that life is going to be easy. On both sides of the spectrum, life is hard. Life is difficult. But those who keep the commandments and keep their covenants, they're able to bear those burdens, to bear with life trials with more hope, with more courage, with more love. They're able to find things to smile at. They're, they're able to find comfort. And the other side their stress seemed unending. I have seen it in my own life. When I have kept the commandments and I've kept my covenants, I have received more hope and help than when I didn't. And life never got easier, but it got easier to bear. And so it may not seem the most grandest thing in the world to continue keeping covenants and to continue making commandments and sometimes it can be really difficult to keep com commandments and covenants but it will make life easier to bear and if you don't believe me I challenge you to a science experiment I challenge you to experiment to keep the commandments today no matter what happens and see what does happens. If you don't notice anything, keep doing it until you do notice something. And I can promise you, because it says it here right in the Book of Mormon, that when you keep the commandments, you will prosper. There will be a difference. There will be a difference. You will feel the difference. Well, I will conclude my episode there for today. If you've received any insights during your own personal study or during this podcast episode, record them in whatever way works best for you. Please share this episode with somebody you feel like would benefit from it today. If you have any feedback for the podcast, please email me at thedailybomb at yahoo.com. And I would love to hear any insights 
like the insights you're receiving from the Book of Mormon. So either email me or write a post on the Facebook page, Daily Feasting on the Words of Christ. Y'all are awesome. And God loves you. Never forget it. And I hope y'all have a fantastic day. Bye.